Did your favorite NFL team win the Super Bowl? No? Then the NFL Draft is your Super Bowl. I'm Danny Heifetz, and from now until the draft, we are turning our fantasy football show feed into the Ringer NFL Draft Show. Every Tuesday and Thursday, we talk about the top players and most important storylines for the NFL Draft. So join us on the Ringer NFL Draft Show. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21+. plus. 18 plus in DC and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Chicago everywhere. Check it. It's not enough Chicago. We just don't have enough Chicago people. Jason Goff is here. Well, I'm at Full Go. The Full Go Podcast. The Full Go. Bears, Bulls, White Sox, Cubs, and Blackhawks. Our man, Jason Goff. Three times a week with Jason Goff. His mood is elevated. He is feeling good. Jason, I'm loving the Full Go. Love the Full Go. The Full Go. The Full Go. Welcome to Full Go with Jason Goff. That is what I'm talking about. Talking about. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. How y'all Yeah. yeah rainy, rainy Tuesday over here in LA. It's been rainy Tuesday. It's, it's, this is what it must feel like to live in Seattle because this is, it's rain here in LA for like, I don't know, it's the most in my entire lifetime, like consecutively. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that good? <laughs> yeah, extreme weather is never really good, Tone. You know, <laughs> survey says usually that extreme weather is never truly a good thing. We don't we don't want our good folks on the left coast to wash away. You know, like isn't that Wait, I, isn't hey, that I all thought... the doomsday shit that, that at some point California is going to be underwater? You know, yeah, yeah. I haven't heard that one lately, but I remember reading that. Although, yeah. and then oh. that. Do we do this we have gonna... a, do we have a, a a climate change denier on the pod? Let's send this bitch to the moon. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> no, we have to wait for Sunday for that. It's not Kyrie Lopez. What do we? Oh, okay. All right. All right. Just make, it, just make it sure, baby. You know, I mean, I'm down. I'm down for dissenting opinions. And, and aliens are real, fact. by the way. Aliens hey, are real. I've, hey, listen. You know, I've I've seen too many things in my life to not believe that that you know there are other forms of 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 life out here because certain shit just don't add up so yes aliens have to be real right tony i'm not an alien guy no 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 you don't you don't think that they're in this big 
galaxy that they aren't. They think we're the only living, living creatures. That the Earth is the only thing that. Habits. Ladies and gentlemen, the hubris of Tony is about to be on display. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I think we're the most uh, important thing uh, in in the universe. So, well, no, no. Like, no, that's a separate question, Tony. Like, <laughs> no. <laughs> like, demean the, the mean human race? Like, like we're, on, we're on equal uh, uh, standing uh, with other, my guy, Tony. other beings? Get out of here. Look at my guy, Tony, making sure we gather you know all, those, that, all they, that audience. They, they don't want none of the human race smoke. Ooh. If they want an intergalactic war, they, they have not shown it. They've seen how we dominate, how we mm. colonize. Oh, well, uh, be careful on the we, Tony. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know if any one of the three people on this pod can, can really jump into the we when I'm it just comes saying, to In terms know. of aggression, they, they got it. It's happening. You just don't know it. Yeah. Don't know it. You haven't yeah. seen it. Yeah. But if they're already here, though, I mean, we got seven foot six. You know, point guard slash small forwards. You know what I mean? We we got we got people like Saquon Barkley running around with the biggest legs known to man. You know, like man, he got some thighs. Yeah. What if? Take it easy, Tone. What if? What if? What if? What if they're already here? What if this entire time we've been watching the aliens perform on these courts, on these you know playing surfaces, on ice, on on grass? Like, what if the entire time we've been on this earth? That the aliens have been here, just coming out of normal bodies, but they've been here just for our fanfare, just for our entertainment. And then we wonder why there's a disconnect, because we have to pay them so much money, because at some point they have to leave and go back to wherever they came from. Right? Like LeBron's dad is an alien. <laughs> leave it up to fucking Tony to make it, to make it sad. Just to make it. Well, you never seen him. I'm just saying. Just the fucking just drives the fucking pitchfork, just a just a wedge right into the momentum of the pod. With I'm just saying we don't know. All right. Yeah, we don't, Tony. And so is that? Are we now onto the all deadbeat dads or aliens? Is that what we're doing now? Is that? Huh? You can. You can <laughs> You can, did you, trick, did you, did you, you can trick an alien just by pretending like you got two hundred dollars worth of Best Buy, <laughs> Best Buy gift cards, and get an alien to just show up at a random child support, you know, sting operation. Is that is that what we're doing here? Is that the way to get the aliens tone? Tell them they got a free Weber grill waiting for them if they come to a certain location, knowing they haven't paid the child support in years. All right, well, I think that's a great jumping off point for this pod. I think we can go from here. All right, what is uh what's the episode here? Episode 219. 219. Is that what we're on? Episode 219. Welcome into the Full Go Podcast. I'm Jason Goff. The voices that you have already heard, disturbingly so, are that of the active Jesse Lopez, who kicked it off with his climate change denying. And then our guy, our cleanup hitter, Tony Gill, who came in, <laughs> who came in um Raining world on baseball our classic, baby. Yeah, oh, yeah the world <laughs> baseball classic. <laughs> hey, Mexico routed the fuck out of the United States over the weekend. Damn. And that, and that, and that <laughs> continues and discontinues our coverage of the world baseball classic here on the Full Girl Pipe. What the fuck, is, the fuck is wrong with y'all? And you got this man speaking Spanish now? Like, what is going on with y'all? It's the first day of free agency in the NFL, and you two motherfuckers are talking about, we even talk about spring training baseball on this, and that's in this country y'all talking about people that we ain't gonna never ever watch yeah i had to watch i had to watch a day full of tweets 
uh, about some Canadian pitcher who got his head kicked in by by the USA lineup, and I'm supposed to feel sad about it. It's, oh, this guy's going to get his chance at some point. Well, guess what? Didn't happen fucking today. USA, goddammit, USA. That That is my submission for the World Baseball Classic observers out there. You know, shout out to Clinton Yates and all the brothers that I know watching baseball out there. My man, Big Joe Gardner. There's like seven of y'all. I know y'all holding it down. And I appreciate y'all. Vamos. The hell is going on? All right. You know why we're here. Because the Chicago Bears have uh, listened to the pod and said, to hell with what you're talking about, Jay. We are going swinging immediately. Right? TJ Edwards was signed 12 minutes into the eligible period. They were at the front door of TJ Edwards, the linebacker for the Philadelphia Eagles, with that deal of paper and pen in hand. And they got themselves uh, what I believe is a good player who, you know, people have said is outperformed deals. So it's not like, because you always ask yourself, how did this player fall into your lap? Right. That's the first thing I did with the Chase Claypool trade. You know, Roquan Smith, I'm sure, with the Baltimore Ravens, they were saying that as well. And, you know, players just need to change the scenery sometimes. And sometimes, just sometimes, players outgrow, outperform, or outvalue the terms of their deal. And you can't pay them. And I think the Bears have that in two of the linebackers that they went out and drafted. Now, if you're out there thinking the same thing that I was thinking, like, hmm. For a team that doesn't value that position in terms of monetarily, you went out and, and you know, this is, this is the funny, we're going to get into the funny part now because it's gone from, I don't know anything about this guy to this is my dad and I love him, right? Because that, that's how people are treating Ryan Poles right now. Ryan Poles went out and signed three dudes, Bears fans, you, it's George Hallis, Mike Dicker, Walter Payton, and Ryan Poles, and maybe not in that order right now in, in Bears fans' minds. But, you can question whatever you want to question if there are severe, massive upgrades to a lacking defensive unit, right? The front seven for the Bears was atrocious. We talked about it all season long. And now you've got two guys who in coverage are going to make some issues for you. I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is everything that you would think of in a new fashion, newfangled linebacker in terms of height, in terms of wingspan, in terms of size, in terms of speed. He may not be the most physical player out there, but the dude is going to be in the way. And all those years that we watched Brian Urlacher here play the cover two defense under Lovey Smith and Ron Rivera and Bobby Babich. Shout out to Bob Babich. Um, one of the worst coordinators. Uh, should I say that? I don't know. I've seen some bad coordinators. John Shoup was probably the worst coordinator I've had a chance to lay my eyes on in that terrible offense that he was running back in the days. But shout out to Bobby Babich. But he was one of the Bears defensive coordinators and all they did was say, hey, six foot three. Four, 260 pound dude who could run a 4-4, just drop back down the center of the field and take away all the throws that the cover two might leave open because of your physical exploits, your, your tremendous tangible and just, just I'm talking about ridiculously long arms, the skill set that you would ask for, because Gary Brackett, you know Gary Brackett, the little short dude for the Indianapolis Colts back in the day who also played the middle linebacker position in this defense, he was able to do it off of instinct and guile and playing the angles and understanding where things would be. But if you got a physical freak who can do some of the stuff that Tremaine Edmonds is getting ready to do for Chicago Bears fans out there, and, and this is the other thing too, the nickelback in this defense has replaced the importance of, you know, positionally, this defense was known as three technique, will linebacker. That's what you need. 
and you need two corners who can force inside leverage, two corners who can, you know, can't go man up for in terms of speed, can't go man for man on you, but who can play zone defense to a T, and you need a front four that can get to the quarterback. If the front, if the front four can't get to the quarterback, the cover two looks like the worst defense in, in the NFL. And that's the reason why a lot of people stop running it for a while. But if you've got these kinds of dudes who you can plug in to a defense that you will be running, and they're going to be in sub-package 75 80% of the time anyway, so we're talking about sometimes a three defensive linemen, two linebacker situation. And if you're going to have two linebackers out there, T.J. Edwards, who has shown that he can play in coverage, right, and then Tremaine Edmonds, who has the physical exploits, like I mentioned, and is only 24 years old as we're sitting here recording this thing, this dude has been in the NFL for five years now. He's apparently one of the better dudes in the locker room from everything that I've read. So this also clears the way for you if you want to mess around and bring in somebody who may not have uh, – Let's say all of the character situations nailed down, right? If there's a red flag or two out there, right? And he, and he played at Georgia. He's got that defensive tackle spot that you might want to might want to plug him in at because they went out and got Demarcus Ware too, right? But this is a guy who you could put at several different positions on that defensive line. He's six foot three, two hundred eighty five pounds. He's he's bounced around at a couple of different spots. He's played well his last couple of t- couple of seasons. So there's some there's some things that are moving and shaking on the defensive side of the football that Bears fans should be very happy about. To be honest with you, now it, it's still wait and see for me, but I, I'm enthused. I'm definitely enthused because the plan that you put in play at the beginning of this year that I was like, all right, let's see how this thing works out. They are executing it now. They went out and get Nate Davis, throw him at a right guard. That gives you the flexibility to now ask Cody White here to jump in at center, or maybe you ask Tevin Jenkins to jump in at guard, and you have yourself a, a Nate Davis, Tevin Jenkins, Cody White here, you know, uh, triumvirate in terms of your inside offensive line play, right? And, and you're talking about maybe Larry Borm again <laughs> or Braxton Jones. Obviously, he got better as the season went along at left tackle. Your offensive line is immediately upgraded with the addition of a guard in, in Nate Davis. So I'm not mad at anything that has happened so far in free agency. Now, I will say this. I've seen some trades. I've seen some big names, you know, you know how it is. It's football. We all play fantasy football, so we all think that uh, a guy's name and game are going to travel. I've seen it happen way too many times. I remember when I went down to Atlanta and people were thought people thought I was blaspheming because I said, hey, y'all, Steven Jackson's been running around for a long time in this NFL. And if you think he's got that juice in his legs after seven years and all of a sudden just lands in Atlanta, you're mistaken. And they were mistaken because he wasn't good and he eventually had to retire. I'm not saying Jalen Ramsey is close to that. I'm not saying Darren Waller is close to that. But when you see these names flying around for third-round picks, right, I mean, like, all right, come on now, pick up the phone. Or if you didn't pick up the phone, I want to know the reason why. Like Darren Waller, I know Cole Komet is your man, but Darren Waller still has, I think, some top-tier football to play. I think Josh McDaniels is out here just trying to mess around and play, you know, mad scientists a little bit too hard. And, and dispatching of a lot of talent out of, off of that Las Vegas Raiders squad. But yeah, man, so far, I'm, I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> I'm down for the crown. I'm looking forward to seeing how many more of these free agents are going to file into Chicago. And on top of it, the, what was thought to be one of the kingfish of this entire thing was Orlando Brown Jr. 
And as we sit here at, what, 9.57 p.m. on a Tuesday night, he is yet to be signed. Now, uh, it did just cross that David Montgomery is now a Detroit Lion. I will say this. David Montgomery did a hell of a job in Chicago. A hell of a job. Was never a spectacular, fantastic, premier, elite, explosive running back, but always did the gig. He was, he was decent in pass pro. He made people miss. He ran hard. He did everything you, you could ask of him. And on top of that, he did it with poor quarterback play for most of the time he was here, right? He got banged up, I believe, one or two seasons. But other than that, he was healthy for the most part. I got no problems with David Montgomery going out and finding himself in a winning situation. Now, of course, him doing it against the Chicago Bears twice a year is going to be interesting to watch now. It's going to be very interesting to watch. We we know how porous the Bears' run defense was last year, and that's because they were bereft of talent. They're shoring up some of those situations now by signing the players that they've signed already. But, yeah, there haven't been any catastrophic losses because this was a team that won three games. So anybody that you would lose really didn't impact winning as much as they would like to think. So no catastrophic losses to me and some terrific gains. Now you'll see what happens when OTAs and all the other things roll around. But so far, so good for Ryan Poles. I got no gripes. I got no complaints. I'm, I, I, I try to be as fair as I possibly can. And, and so far, I would give the Bears, you know, damn near an A in terms of their first few days of the, well, the league calendar really doesn't start until you guys will be listening to this on Wednesday, you know, Wednesday morning, Tuesday night. But yeah, to start the league calendar to, with the momentum that the Bears have started it with and executed a plan. And for all those people who were like, oh, Tremaine Edmonds was never on the radar, go back, uh, say, about two and a half, three weeks ago when I was filing off names about free agents that the Bears should take a look at. Tremaine Edmonds was definitely in there. He's definitely in there. We saw these these linebackers last year. There was a bunch of backup dudes running around making tackles. It was as simple as that. I didn't know anybody on the Bears defense that, that wasn't Jalen Johnson or Eddie Jackson or Kyler Gordon or Jaquan Brisker. Other than that, everybody else could go, and that's what it seems like is happening in the NFL, especially at Hallis Hall. Now, I love the fact that the NFL over the last couple of years has turned into the NBA in terms of making the trade deadline spicy, the, the offseason. You, you got this player going here, this player going there. Everybody's talking shit about the Cowboys. Stephon Gilmore gets traded to them by the Indianapolis Colts. Now you got Diggs and Gilmore on opposite sides of each other. Like, there's some, there's some interesting things happening. You know, Sean Payton going to Denver, messing around and taking the Raiders' developmental quarterback and signing him to a deal, even though they've got Russell Wilson in tow already. They go out and get Mike McGlinchey, a guy that the Bears might have been kicking the tires on at right tackle. So I, I'm enjoying this free agent period right now. We all know the NFL is king, and it feels good to have people saying nationally some good things about this team. But more importantly, it feels good to to locally, right, and personally feel good about your squad building towards what you hope is a sustainable run in terms of of, uh, championships or, or playoff contention as well. And this is the other thing, too. Don't get it twisted. Ryan Poles has made it very clear that he believes in Justin Fields, but the the acquisition of extra picks, especially next year, you know, <laughs> Justin Fields got a year with a couple of wide receivers now, maybe get a new running back, you know, showing up the offensive line, Cole Komet and his uh, relationship, his, their chemistry should grow. He's got a year to show and prove or else he's going to use that Carolina pick. And if they have a bad year, whatever Bears pick to move up and get his quarterback. Yeah, that's the way I'm looking at this thing right now. It could either be for you or it could be 
for you, right? It, it could be for you, Justin Fields, to, to get players to put around you and make you look that much better, or it could be for your replacement. So Justin Fields is on the clock. Ryan Poles has already started his clock in terms of drafts, and now we're seeing what his profile is looking like on the free agent side of things. And we this is the other thing, too. This is not the NBA, right? Like, you're getting everybody else's medical information. You're getting guys who um, need to be coached a certain way, like getting different football players and just plugging them in because they had a great name or they had a decent pass. It doesn't always work like that. We've seen that a lot here in this city in terms of free agents. I won't even bore you with the name, you know, Brian Cox and Adam Archuleta. Like there's been some guys, Philip Daniels, there's been some guys who have come off of terrific seasons and have underwhelmed as bears. Now, Will that happen with Tremaine Edmonds? I hope not. Will that happen with TJ Edwards? I hope not, and I don't think so. But football is a different monster when you're playing in the free agent waters. That's why teams don't go out and do, you know, everything they possibly can every single year because, you one, you can't do it with the cap, and two, it's hard to add football players and medical histories and all the other things that go into getting a successful dude in your building. It's hard to just acquire those guys. Those guys don't always become available. Hell, look at what the Miami Dolphins had to do. Brian Flores had to out people's text messages before Stephen Ross had the button pressed on him by the league to say, hey, go out and get people to make sure that we are not questioning the integrity of this game any further. And they went out and got Toronto Harpstead. They went out and got Tyree Kill and all those dudes. So it's really hard to put off seasons like that together. Not saying the Bears will do that with all the cap money, because, hell, I didn't think they would go out and spend all of their cap money this offseason. I thought that they would kind of keep some of their powder dry. It doesn't. It's not an indicator that with two linebackers and a, a defensive lineman and, a, and an offensive guard, but it goes to show that Ryan Poles has been active. He's executing his plan. He's maybe throwing a curveball with a Tremaine Edmonds thing out there at some. I'm looking forward to seeing what these next week or so looks like because now these second-tier free agents and third-tier guys are where you truly are going to get the value. And let's face it, this team needs as much help as possible foundationally. So you got a whole bunch of special teamers who are playing too many big roles for this squad. Looks like those guys are being pushed down and this roster is going to get a lot better over the next couple of days. So I'm with it. A job by Ryan Pohl so far for the Chicago Bears. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car, Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Hey, this is Lance Briggs. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. Oh, so we can talk to you about, uh, about Jimmy Beheim's cryptic uh, final walkout message, huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what it is? It's, 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 it's radio life where 
They say um, never fire a host like before his last show because <laughs> he's going right. to get all the shit off of his chest that he doesn't right. like about the company or about the station. That whole <laughs> that that last Jimmy Beheim situation was like you'll have to ask them because I yeah. don't want to leave, but you'll have to ask. It's like dog, it's fifty years. Like right. what what more do you want to do? But that's not why you called. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is the Full Go Podcast. I am Jason Goff. We uh, have commissioned Matt Perino. I'm saying your last name correctly, right? Because I don't want you no are. smoke. I don't Press want no it. smoke when I come to Buffalo. All right? For Syracuse.com, <laughs> uh, you can check out his work there. He's also the host of the Shout Podcast as well, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. So, Matt, um, Tremaine Edmonds. This dude is a condor. He's about seven foot three. He's, he's got an 84 inch wingspan. He's, he's 290 pounds seemingly. The first time I ever saw this dude run around was in ACC football with Virginia Tech. And I'm like, holy shit, what is the NFL going to do with this dude? Like, wh- where will you play him? How much chaos will he cause? And in Buffalo, you know, watching the Buffalo Bills, especially these last couple of years, they've been uh, highlighted more. They've been more in the spotlight because how good the team is. So I've been looking for big splash, boom plays out of this dude. But sometimes the the play that you are making isn't as loud as it should be. We know that here in Chicago, watching Brian Urlacher playing the cover two for close to a decade. So well, how is it? Was he 25 years old? 24, 25 years old? He'll be 25 old? next month. Jesus Christ. How is it that a 25-year-old becomes available with this kind of skill set, with this kind of importance, seemingly to a franchise that is ready to contend and is in their window right now? It feels a lot to me like, first of all, the mark, it was always going to be about what was the market that was going to materialize for Tremaine. And when we talked to Brandon Bean last month, and you could tell with him and Sean McDermott, the, the feeling in the building was it is going to absolutely suck losing this guy. But once it reached that level of like 18, 19, 20 million, that kind of range, I just think it was going to price them out. They're paying the quarterback number one. And that's kind of the advantage that a a Chicago Bears team has. A guy on on the rookie deal in Justin Fields. And maybe with Ryan Pulse coming out and saying like, you know, if it doesn't go well this year, they might be even back in that game again, like re-upping on the rookie deal for, for a quarterback. So that's a situation where you have more money to push around in different position groups. They love Matt Milano. They, you know, he's coming off of an all pro season. He could do multiple things. Not that Tremaine Edmonds can't do that. And honestly, them together, I think, really created a problem, especially in coverage for teams. And that's why this has been such an elite defense for so many years. But, you know, the Bills are, they're kind of going through what I think might be a little bit of a metamorphosis. I mean, Leslie Frazier stepping away from, from coaching for a year. Sean McDermott taking back over the play calling duties. It's been a long time since he did that. Uh, when he was in Carolina, went to the Super Bowl in 2015. So I think they brought over Al Holcomb from uh, Carolina. They're going to probably want to develop some of their younger guys, some of their younger talents. And at $18 million, with your quarterback now on this mega contract, Stefan Diggs getting paid, Von Miller getting paid, mm-hmm. Davius White getting paid. It's just, there's just not enough money to go around. And it's tough pill to swallow. But it's one that I think that they knew for a long time, if it reached a certain level, they were going to have to swallow it. You mentioned Matt Milano, and obviously that dude has become uh, one of the better players, not just linebackers, but one of the better players in the NFL. So I'm sure Ryan Poles and the Bears brass are hoping to have that T.J. Edwards effect on the opposite side of one Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, 
what should we expect? What can we expect? What are some of the, the weaknesses? What are some of the strengths of this player that you've observed in the first part of his career? So strength number one, and I think this is so important for a young team building like Chicago, is you're getting like a, a pillar of the organization. Like one of the things at 24 years old, it is wild how much they put on his plate from the jump in terms of calling the defense, knowing what everybody out there had to do. And then the leadership piece. I mean, you, you see it when they put out those mic'd up sessions um, from games. You know, what he's saying to players on the sideline when things are going bad, when the punches are flying, and he is just calm, cool, and collected through it all. Like, it, never too high, never too low. That is like the epitome of Tremaine Edmonds. And he's so talented from a, like a trait perspective, like you were talking about. You laid it out perfectly at the beginning of the show, that like he's able to play pretty free out there. And going sideline to sideline, I mean, Tremaine Edmonds is as good as it gets. And you're talking about opposing teams, running backs, tight ends. You know, he swallows that up in the middle of the field. And one of the things I think the Bills are going to miss the most about him, the leadership is huge. They got a lot of leaders. It's what he does, what he forces teams to stay away from when they're attacking the Bills defense. And I think it's uplifted a lot of like lower caliber players. I mean, Dane Jackson, a seventh round draft pick. Levi Wallace for years, he goes down and gets paid to a degree, uh, a, a UDFA guy with Pittsburgh. And I think they've been able to lean on those guys because of all the things that Tremaine Edmonds does. So I think you're getting that. Now, I will say you saw a significant jump in year five this year with Edmonds. And a big reason why is they went out and they signed Daquan Jones from Tennessee, a big, nasty, uh, one-tech uh, defensive tackle who eight double teams that was chaos in the middle for them, tag teaming with Ed Oliver. And that movement up front, that production up front, I think allowed him to be able to play a little bit more free. They didn't have that for, I'd say, like the past two years. Starla Latule sat out for a year, and when he came back, he wasn't the same player that he was early on in his career. So that's going to be a big key, too, for Chicago, is how do they build that defensive front in front of him to let him kind of do his work uh, because he's a little bit more of a finesse player. He's not a guy that's going to come down into the box and dump guys, read blocks, you know, make the right read every single time, and then lay the boom. He will occasionally. There's been some big hits this past season, but it's more predicated on that finesse part of the game, and you've got to really be tough up front. So where do the Bills go from here? Because now, you know, after having the target on their back for a year or two, now people believe maybe they're sliding below the Cincinnati Bengals and below the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the Super Bowl champs. So how do the Bills have to take it back to the lab? And what kind of loss, like you mentioned, will this be for their team? So the, the Tremaine Edmonds is a perfect jumping off point for this conversation, because if you look at the Super Bowl, right, like you had these two teams that if you take the playoffs as a body of work, both teams were playing elite level defense. Like Kansas City raised its level. I mean, Chris Jones, he's a monster. And then obviously everything they had at all three levels with Philadelphia, um, it didn't even matter in the Super Bowl though, right? Like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, they're going to get theirs. It's an offense like driven league and, you know, they're able to score points. And so I think you look at the Bills, you look at Josh Allen, they have the quarterback, they have the number one weapon in Stefan Diggs. They need to add around the offense to make sure that, when they hit the ruts, which they're going to hit, they've hit them every year. You know, before Ken Dorsey was Brian Dable, right. they have to have answers for those ruts. And I think you go out and you get. You know, I like the idea of you know, maybe not even on the free agent market because it's it's not a great wide receiver class. But you know, if Jerry Judy is available, if Hunter Redfro is available, adding separators to this offense—that's where Josh Allen 
has really taken a step in his career when they found guys that could get separation at the line of scrimmage. Cole Beasley kind of faded off a little bit, got a little bit too old. But when he first got here, I mean, that ability off the line out of the slot was just so important for Josh Allen because especially with the accuracy issues early on, I don't think it's as big of an issue now. If you give the guy a target quicker, if you get off the line of scrimmage and you open up and you give him somewhere to throw the football, that's where he becomes super dangerous. So I think that's to me the key. Build that offensive line. They've made one addition in Connor McGovern, a uh, very low level guy, that third tier of free agency, but somebody that can you know move around and he's a pretty good pass blocker. They need more of that because Roger Saffle came over from Tennessee and man, that dude was good for a long time, but it, the wheels fell off this year. 42 pressures allowed. And that's just, you know, Josh Allen, his game is predicated on the ability to get outside of the pocket and mm-hmm. create. But just because you can do something all the time doesn't mean it's to be done all the time. And I felt like he was forced to be that, to wear that Superman cape all the time because of, you know, really letdowns on the interior of their offensive line. Yeah. And also, you know, it seemed like they, if Josh Allen wasn't moving the ball on the ground, then nobody was. And you guys have gone through myriad running backs and trying to figure out who's uh, who's the answer at that position. So looking forward to seeing how the Bills will uh, recollect themselves this offseason as uh, is already underway and there's already been some uh, some losses on that squad. Matt, thank you so much for your time, man. I truly appreciate it. Uh, I like everything that comes out of Buffalo, right? Khalil Mack, uh, the Wings. Uh, my man Parks, who's on Joe Budden's podcast. Uh, who else? What else? What else you got up there? Uh, back in the day, the Buffalo Braves. You know, like I, mm. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a I big fan. Buffalo Braves. I was not alive. <laughs> do for you? It, but I, do you, Matt? <laughs> I'd, I, I'd love to get some some, some NBA action. We got. I'm not a big hockey guy. I don't say that a lot in Buffalo because yeah, yeah, you be cool. Yeah, it'd be cool. But yeah, it would yeah. be great to have an NBA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tell uh tell everybody with Griselda Records I said hello too, by the way, if you run into him, man. Matt, thank for you sure. so much. Matt Perino from Syracuse.com right here on the Full Go Podcast. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. What up, world? It's Vic Spencer. And you're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Goff, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Fellas, you know the, the Sunday pod went by and something wasn't mentioned at all? It was Selection Sunday, and I didn't give two shits about it. And I hate it. I hate it. Um, college basketball meant a whole bunch to me as a kid and as an adult. Um, and this is going to be, uh, I think, a, a, a multi-layered conversation here because 
College basketball should still mean more to me, but the product is underwhelming, to say the least. And I want to get into, in this moment, the local product and how underwhelming it is. Um, Chicago is a pro city. It's a big town. It's the third largest market in the country. And usually when we talk about big towns, we don't talk about college sports as much. There are certain teams that have, you know, wormed their way into people's hearts when they are good, right? Like when USC football is good, LA loves it, right? But it's a, it's an event town. So if you're not popping, there's other things to do. I don't know how people feel about UCLA basketball, but it's been a while. It's been a while. They haven't had sustained success since what? Ben Howland? And that seems like an eternity ago. You know, you go to Miami. The U is big and it's popping, but when they're good, right? Like there's not a lot of professional towns and big cities that college sports not just do well in, but thrive in. That's why a lot of these campuses, I mean, that's not why, but, you know, it's not a coincidence that a lot of these campuses are on small towns all around America. But for me, college basketball used to mean something as a kid. You know, I, I'm, I'm an 80s baby, right? I was born in 1980. Uh, late 80s, early 90s, college basketball was heaven for me. You know, college basketball kind of changed the way I look at, looked at sports. The Fab Five changed my life as a kid. You know, being 11, 10 years old and thinking, damn, these dudes are a little bit older than me. They listen to the music I'm listening to. They like wearing the shit that I like wearing. And they look and sound like I look and sound. And they're all freshmen. That was the cool part about it. You know, the juniors and seniors ran college basketball. And to have these brash, shit-talking, loud, you know, character-filled, vibrant kids drop in in Ann Arbor in the middle of the Big Ten and wreck shop on the entire nation, only for us to act like it didn't happen. <laughs> and the, and it, it was only two years. It was only two years. It took the world by storm in two years. But that's the Big Ten that I grew up in and grew up with. And everywhere you looked, in every corner of the Big Ten, there were players. Talking about real players. Michigan State, before the Flintstones, before y'all met them, before y'all met Mateen Cleaves and, and, and Mo Pete and Charlie Bell and all them cats, Sean Respert was that dude. Go back and YouTube. Sean Respert was the man, all right, in East Lansing. Because I didn't catch the magic run, right? I wasn't born yet. But East Lansing was controlled by Sean Respert when I was a kid. You go to Purdue, the number one pick in the draft to the Milwaukee Bucks, Glenn Robinson. Glenn Robinson was as refined a mid-range professional player, just happened to be playing college basketball as I had seen as a kid. And, and these are the other things, like the, the second-tier squads, the squads that were, they were contending for Big Ten titles. Like, everyone had a dude or a pro player or somebody that you had to go watch. Everyone had a coach that was a, a, a character on the sidelines. Like, shit, Gene Cady was paired with Glenn Robinson. You feel me? Like, Iowa, even though they were born as hell, I would watch A.C. Earl and those dudes get it on. You feel me? Like, I mean, Wisconsin. Wisconsin had Rashard Griffith and Michael Finley. And kids, if y'all don't know who Michael Finley is, go back and YouTube. These are all YouTubable names. These are all names that you would be like, damn, I'm glad he did. These are dudes that when they got to the professional ranks, I would be racing to the computer lab. And that's how old I am because there was a separate room where all the computers were, where they would, you know, file classes into and say, here's the computers, kids. Enjoy this newfangled thing called the Internet. And I would go and watch NBA.com top 10 plays every single day. 
Michael Finley would end up on those plays when he was a Dallas Maverick, when he was a Phoenix Sun. Michael Finley was a bad dude. Bad dude, right? You go to Ohio State, right? You had the, the, the Scooney Penn, Michael Red run, and that's, you know, obviously I, my guy, Tony Gills, one of my guy's favorite dudes of all time, right? But uh, Ohio State had players. Illinois, I mean, come on, man. You know, the fly in the line, I, I work next to Kendall Gill, and I don't remember that run that vividly. I don't, but I'll tell you this. I know who the fuck Kiwan Garris is. I know who Deion Thomas is. And then that crew, of course, with Darren, you know, uh, Darren Williams and Luther Head and D. Brown a lot later. But the Big Ten mattered to me as a kid. It mattered to me. College sports mattered to me. The NCAA tournament mattered to me. I would fill out 10 brackets and just have them in the crib. I wasn't betting with nobody. I just wanted to be right about everything. I wanted to watch these games and figure out who the dudes were because I was going to follow them and track them on their way to the professional game. And this is the other part of this. There's no excuse. And I'm going to say it like it is. And Illinois basketball has always been, okay, you're good. We're interested. You're not good, not so much. But more so than Illinois, and you can't really put it on Northwestern, right, because their basketball program, I mean, shout out to their second appearance in the NCAA tournament, but their basketball program hasn't really been ballyhooed. Hell, even back when I was a kid, Evan Eschmeyer, holding it down for 19 years in the Big Ten, you know? But the DePaul Blue Demons, when I sit and think about what could have been, what should have been, And what should be, to be honest with you, in this age of NIL, and and listen, I don't want to speak from a place of ignorance. I know there's a lot of politics that go on, especially with that school and the people surrounding it. But there is no excuse for a city college that is Division I branded to be as bad as they are year in and year out. Not even to be as bad, but to be as The vibrations just don't attract you to DePaul basketball. And I remember as a kid going to Carbondale, Illinois, to go to SIU, I remember leaving and understanding, man, DePaul's about to have some shit. What Quentin Richardson, Bobby Simmons, and Lance Williams did was revive a spirit that, unfortunately, I missed the first time around. You want to go back and look at Ray Meyer's career, the, the great Ray Meyer? Man coached for 40-plus seasons. But from 75 to 85, when you're talking about the Mark Aguirre's of the world, the Terry Cummings of the world, the Rod Strickland's of the world, like the Paul basketball was the shit. It was important in this city. And I missed it. So when I got a chance as a 17-year-old to see guys who were graduating from the same you know, class as I was in 98, guys like Lance Williams, guys like Quentin Richardson, guys like Bobby Simmons, and Pat Kennedy pulling that thing together in whichever way he was, you know, allowed to. <laughs> it felt special. That game where they went to Cameron Indoor Stadium and played the Duke Blue Devils, that was a happening for me. And I'm on an entirely different campus. I'm six hours away from the crib. And I'm watching that with my guys. 
dudes from Rockford, dudes from Pontiac, Michigan, dudes from all over the Midwest. And we're watching DePaul Blue Demons basketball on a nationally televised stage with Dick Vitale doing a game and a bunch of Chicago kids who almost beat the Duke Blue Devils on their home court. And I thought something would be reignited. I thought something would be, some flames would be stoked. And Chicago basketball, more importantly, DePaul Blue Demon basketball would be back. And then they had Amari Sawyer and Andre Brown and, you know, some guys after that. But they couldn't keep it. They couldn't keep it going. You know, Pat Kennedy got a little hot under Pat Kennedy's seat when people started poking around while people were going there. But we fast forward to 2023. There's no reason in hell. No reason in hell that the DePaul Blue Demons, or for that, for that matter, the Illinois Fighting Illini or the Northwestern Wildcats or anybody else that wants to put a, a real basketball product on the floor in college hoops in this city, there's no reason why they couldn't. I, I want to read y'all a list. I want to read y'all a list of names. And Tony, maybe you can guess what these names all have in common. And I'm going to go back to 1980. Okay, go back to 1980, because I mentioned DePaul, right? Bobby Simmons and Andre Brown, they went to DePaul. Stephen Hunter, he went to DePaul. I want to name all the people since 1980 who didn't go to DePaul or who didn't go to a Chicago slash Illinois school. Tony Allen, Dwayne Wade, Will Bynum. Jason Maxiel, Sean May, okay? Jeremy Pargo, Sharon Collins, DeAndre Liggins, Patrick Beverly, Derek Rose, Evan Turner, Alfonso McKinney, shout out to Alfonso McKinney, <laughs> Anthony Davis, Kiefer Sykes, Jabari Parker, Kendrick Nunn, Cliff Alexander, Zach Norvell, Taylor Horton Tucker. Now, what I just named for you were several NBA players who were born in the city of Chicago. There's a bunch of talent that I just named, and, and the, the list goes on and on and on and on. There's no excuse. There's no excuse for this city to be as detached from college basketball as it is. There's no excuse for a bunch of these schools to not compete at a high level, especially with NIL and all the other things that are in play now. And this is the other thing. College basketball has completely lost a lot of people. Now you get to this point in the season and people just want to bet on the tournament or just want to fill out a bracket. And I, I will not lie to y'all. This might be the least that I know about a college basketball season in my entire life. And it's simply because the best players ain't going there. You don't know who's playing in which conference. You don't have storylines to really follow. The greatest coaches now have had their legs come out, cut out from underneath them because they really can't hold, you know, transfer situations and scholarships over people's heads. So the talent has been more dispersed around the country. And now you're trying to find out, all right, who can recruit the best three and four stars and develop them into national title contenders? Because that's what's happening here. Guys are taking their one-year pit stop in the, in the college ranks, not really getting anything from it, rinsing that shit off of them and getting the pro development and coaching style as soon as they possibly can. Or they're going to the G League 
and playing with that Ignite team. They're going overseas. They're being born overseas. Remember when dudes used to be born overseas and then come over and play a couple of years of college basketball? You're like, oh, okay. That dude's playing for his national team, and then all of a sudden he's playing for Kentucky the next year. I, I see how that works, right? That doesn't even happen. So I'm getting an inferior product, <laughs> I'm, and I'm in a city that doesn't give a shit about it. Yeah, man, college basketball used to be the nuts for me. It used to really, really mean something to me. And Selection Sunday came and went. I didn't haggle about this seed or that seed. Didn't and won't fill out a bracket. Yeah, I'll bet on some games. Shout out to FanDuel, right? I like that Kent State-Indiana game, right? I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, <sighs> I'm looking at this Mizzou game because I have a whole bunch of Missouri Tigers that I'm friends with, right? And shout out to Dennis Gates, who's the coach there. I used to know more about these players, these coaches, and these teams headed into this thing. And now, it's not because I don't or I'm not trying to watch it. The product just isn't good. It just isn't good. On the court, the, the packaging of it off the court, um, the storylines that I've just have lost. It, it feels like losing two seasons of a show and then jumping in on the fourth season and being like, all right, where am I at? And I'm going to be honest with y'all, too. COVID kind of really made me reshape my sports priorities. Because in a time where people were falling ill and dying because of breathing and, and, and taking in air and all the other things that we had going on in this country and in this world, college basketball and college football were like, no, 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 no. We've got the youngest, <laughs> most able, working-class core of people that – yeah, they, they should they should be immune to it. Everything will be fine. Let those guys go out and play because adults wanted to make money. And this shit turned me off. This shit turned me off. So it was, I tried, and I've been trying to jump back into college sports this last year or so. I tried several times this year with college basketball, and I'm telling you now, the, the styles don't even make the fights anymore. I remember I used to, all right, I know Dale Brown runs this. All right, I, I know Tubby Smith does this. I know Nolan Richardson does this. Now all we're getting is pick and roll <laughs> and, and point guards still looking over in February to the sidelines for the play, you know, because they haven't really – gained a feel for the game in the five, four months they've been on campus because they know they'll be out of there because basketball on the collegiate level doesn't matter anymore. So I'll continue to watch. I'm sure we'll get a whole bunch of awesome shots. I'm sure we'll get some crazy stories. I'm sure everybody will be watching the Alabama Crimson Tide because of the Brandon Miller situation and them being the top seed overall in the tournament. So you've got yourself a villain or hero, whatever we want to call it, whatever way you, you want to look at it. But Outside of some of the special special interest stuff, this thing pales in comparison to the excitement I used to have. And maybe it's a me problem, but man, the more people I talk to, the more people that say, hey, I don't care about the college game as much as I used to. Now, that's on a broad scale. On a local scale, there's no excuse. There's no excuse for the DePaul Blue Demons to be in the state that they are as a basketball program, especially when the women's side of things has been outstanding for decades. So from college basketball to the NCAA tournament to the Final Four, it was one of my first things that I got a chance to cover in this business. Carmelo Anthony's Final Four run. The year after that, I got a chance to cover Ben Gordon and Emeka Okafor's Final Four runs in San Antonio. 
I had a terrific time doing it. And I couldn't be more detached from the sport now for a bunch of reasons. And hopefully this tournament and all the, the betting action and all the other stuff that, are, that are go on will keep me intrigued. But man, it's been tough. It's been tough. And I got to be honest with y'all, man. I miss it. I do miss it. I miss watching and, and, and rooting for and against players. I, I miss watching the UNLVs of the world. I miss watching the Big East tournament. I miss watching Randolph Childress light motherfuckers up in the ACC tournament. I miss watching Dante Calabria and Ed Coda and them cats uh, for the North Carolina Tar Heels back in the day. I miss understanding and knowing what kind of players were being recruited by certain schools for certain styles, right? Like, just like rap music, the homogenization of the music, the regionality has been lost. And there's been so much lost to me in college basketball when it comes to just the things that drew me in. I'm hoping I can get it back. It'll be a tough task, but no time like March to get it back, I guess. Man, college basketball never coming back. It was doomed to fail, Jay. It's, 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 as soon as schools saw the profit margin and coaches saw the profit margin, uh, it's not the kids' fault. There's a bunch of kids that are talented, that are willing to play. But as soon as the money got too big, it it was doomed to fail from 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 that point on. And I think it, after a while, it was a slow drip where you you saw guys using other options going overseas. Brandon Jennings, for example. Um, but now it's full fledged. Hey, what's going to get me fastest to the NBA? And what's going to prepare me for the NBA? And also, what's going to give me the most money? And I don't, I don't, it's not the kids' fault. It is not the kids' fault on a, on a grander scale. It was the amateurism and the uh, rooting for groups going forward. That's, it was never going to last. It was never going to last. And you know, I think as important as all of that, and I was listening to Dominique Foxworth on his podcast talk about it a little bit. The, the fun aspect, like sports are less fun than they used to be. And I'm not this old guy with the get off my lawn shit. It's like you now have formulas for how teams are put together and how programs are put together and how football organizations are put together. It's kind of like the wild cards have been taken out of it, right? Like I don't think we're ever going to see a Jason Williams type player again, right? White chocolate. Because it won't play, right? It won't, it won't to your number or your analytic or whatever the case may be. He probably isn't as efficient a player as you would like him to be at your point guard. But goddamn, was he fun to watch, man. Like, you won't ever see somebody pressing for 40 minutes like Nolan Richardson used to do. And boy, did he fuck up a lot of knees doing it. But goddamn, it was fun watching it, man. You know? Like... Remember when the Raiders were the team that threw it deep every fucking play? It was fun. You knew they weren't going to win. You knew you knew that the peak was going to be 11, maybe 12 wins, but more times than not, they was going to get too many penalties, have too many players not, you know, being in, in good standing with the coach or with the owner. Like, there was always something going on, but goddamn, it was fun, man. College basketball was fun. Like, even as recent as, like, Gerald Henderson and Tyler Hansborough getting into it, right? Or understanding that you was going to see Jerry Stackhouse and, and Rashid Wallace for a couple of years go into Cameron Indoor Stadium and, and give them the double birds all game long, right? 
You were going to see dudes grow slowly but surely. You were going to see guys who didn't have a chance before get a chance because they stayed in school long enough and, you know, tiptoeing to the professional game. A guy like a Juan Dixon. And I'm sure these stories are still out there and these people are still out there, but the games that we talk about are so formulaic right now. And the architects are so worried about um, winning. And rightfully so, because we all are in results-based businesses, but we also are in the entertainment consumption business too as fans. And man, whether it be the pitch clock in baseball or no shifts or like all we're doing is sterilizing all the nuances and all the, the creature comforts and all the things that might be funky, or all the things that we might hate, you know, low key. But when you take it away from this, it's like, damn, it was fun hating that part. And I think college basketball and a lot of the sports that we talk about, a lot of the sports that we view have become that. I love NBA basketball. That, that's the part of the reason why I don't fuck with college basketball, too, because I don't I don't go to amateur nights. If I'm going to pay a ticket, I want to go see pros do what they do. But guess what? I'm not I'm not dumb. I see what the NBA is is, is becoming and has become. It's become a league of, okay, can you hit the most threes and does your star make the best decisions at the end of the game? That's it. Other than that, we trade punches. We trade runs. You get your 12-0 run. I get my 8-2 run. You know, get a couple of stops. Put this young boy on the bench. Put my old heads out here. Offense for defense. Manipulate the clock a little bit. Come out with a win. Who hit more threes? But that shit ain't fun. That shit ain't fun. You know, watching Tom Brady throw the ball 50 times and people thinking, hey, that's what you got to do. Oh, man. Styles make fight. Styles make fights. Styles make entertainment. And I think college basketball has an entertainment issue that, that will, you know, has trickled down from, from NBA basketball and trickled down from all sports professionally. But we're getting to the point now where we're grappling for the entertainment value. And if it ain't in the gameplay, then... You're going to have to give me more than just a buzzer beater here or there. It's got to be something else to it. The meat and the fun of college basketball has been lost for me. And I'm trying hard to get it back. I'm not out here doing the screw this forever. I want to watch, watch great players play. There's just too few of them. And the development isn't there because they don't stay long enough, and I don't begrudge them at, at all, at all. Go get your money as soon as you possibly can. If it hurts you down the road, uh, you made a you made a fucked up decision. That's on you, right? Casualties of war. I'm 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 fair on both sides of that, right? Let these kids go get their money. But if you want to go, make sure you make a player decision. But it just isn't just isn't fun like that anymore for me. The full goal with Jason Golf. That's all the time we have for episode. 219 of the Full Go Podcast. Want to thank from Syracuse.com. He also does uh, stuff for News 4 in Buffalo. He is Matt Perino. He gave us the lowdown on Tremaine Edmonds and uh, his services that will be provided to the Chicago Bears for the foreseeable future. So appreciate that, Matt. Want to thank our production staff, as always, the shadowy figure that is known as Steve Cerruti, the active Jesse Lopez, and, of course, my main man, Tony Gill. Also, want to thank you guys out there for downloading this thing. Want to thank you for subscribing to this thing, for sharing it, and for rating and reviewing it, giving it the five stars that you know it needs, or else we're going to catch you in these streets. Uh, also, wish Shane a happy birthday. Yeah, man. Yeah. 
Yeah, happy birthday to my sister. She's amazing. Happy birthday, Shane. I won't say your age on here, but shout out to the Friday the 13th baby that was the uh, brother of Jason, which we never stopped hearing as kids. So, you know, shout out to my little sister. The biggest, my homie, Shane Goff. Love you. Love you, love you, love you. Um, That's all the time we have, right? We will catch y'all on Thursday. Keep sending those voicemails in. We'll come up with a question or two for you. 773-359-3103. 773-359-3103 is the full goal voicemail line. So for Tony, for Jesse, and for Steve, I am Jason Goff. Thanking you for hanging out with us. We will catch you on Thursday. But until then, we'll leave you with this as always. Take care of each other. Be safe. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.